welcome to Writers Talking, the podcast where we take writers and readers behind the scenes, sharing the stories within the stories. No scripts, no filters, and no holds barred as we talk about what really happens for writers as they write, edit, publish, and promote their work. Hi, I'm Anjanette Fennell, agent, editor, and writerly mentor who's worked with hundreds of writers to break through their creative challenges to uncover the stories they feel compelled to share. Now, let's get talking. Kate Sully is a writer, mother of six, and really quite good at getting the bubbles out of plastic book wrap. While most of her time is spent finding lost shoes and investigating what's making the car smell bad, Kate frequently escapes to write entertaining things. She has penned many articles, columns, and reviews for various publications, but when she is not writing, she enjoys starting crochet projects and never finishing them. Emma Gray is the internationally published author of five books spanning fiction, nonfiction, and memoir. She wrote her latest novel, The Last Love Note, in the wake of her husband's death. It was published by Penguin Random House in Australia and New Zealand and acquired by Zibby Owens in New York, who describes Emma as the next Helen Fielding, Sophie Kinsella, or Jojo Moyes. She wrote her YA novel, Unrequited, to show her Harry Styles-loving daughter that reading could be fun, then co-created a musical based on the story with Sally Whitwell, complete with disco balls and glitter cannons. When she's not writing, you'll find her on a country road in the dark, capturing the Aurora Australis with her camera, pottering in her cottage garden, and enjoying time with her three children and beloved puppy, Frank. I'm super, super excited today to chat to two lovely writers, and we're just going to have a conversation off the cuff today, which is par for the course, (laughs) it feels like, for writers talking. But you would have heard about them in the intro, but what I was super excited to chat about a little bit, and maybe they can alternately tell the story, how they met exactly, which is kind of on the publicity trail, not in person, but, and what got them connected? Because one of my favorite things about the writerly community is before you're feeling in it, you think it's me, I'm down here as an aspiring author, and there they are, the people whose books are on bookshelves. In fact, when you get introduced to it, you see that there's so much. So maybe even Emma, as as our intro, because you're introducing me to Kate today, how did you guys meet? How did all this get started? Well, this is actually the first time we've seen each other face to face. So we're very excited to be here. But our book came out within a month of each other. And um as you know, when that happens, you tend to you go looking for your own book, and you see these other books on the shelf everywhere you go. And I had already become aware of Kate's book, and Kate um, just through other authors that we both admire and and know, posting um, reviews and sharing about Kate's book, and and then seeing Kate's comments online and watching interviews with her, I just felt a really strong resonance with you know the kind of person you are and. Um, and then a couple of weeks ago, I had a little crisis of confidence and I can't even, I think I just felt quite overwhelmed because it's such, it's such a big thing bringing a book out and, um, you know, wondering how it's going to be received and, and subsequently, well, you know, also concurrently writing another book and working and kids, mm. all that stuff. 
and I was having a little bit of a crisis and um and Kate didn't know that actually I don't think I've told you this Kate um I think I might have posted something about it a couple of days beforehand or the day beforehand just on my private Facebook um, wall and then Kate out of the blue sent me a couple of voice messages and she'd been reading my book and these voice messages were exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. And it was all about this sense of vulnerability that we have as writers. And uh, Kate was saying that you, you you already felt all of this yourself with your book and then re- were thinking about my book being based on my own sort of personal grief and how that must add another layer to this whole new author thing, which it does. And that's what I had been struggling with. So it was just this perfect timing of you reaching out and me I had been feeling quite sort of alone in this and to have somebody else who's come come you know into the same onto the same bookshelves around the same time feel similar things was just so comforting so that's oh, that's why we're here because we have decided that we've become besties yeah, <laughs> we've, we've decided that I love it. well it's a decision we can make I think women especially I know that there's uh a whole series that Rebecca Sparrow, who's done a, an endorsement on your book as well, is talking about female friendship. So I think that was something else that I really wanted to highlight. So Kate, what was it like for you? So obviously you were sort of seeing that maybe you're both having interviews with some of the same podcasters or online or written interviewees and sort of supporting each other. I mean, I've seen your name as well. So I think that's why I know this is true, but what was it that sort of added to it where you thought, oh, was it even before you read Emma's book, I'm guessing, as well? It was while I was reading it. It was a few things. So so I had the similar experience to Emma where you're aware of the others around you, almost like you're all in the same year at university. Yeah. And you've got you've got the older kids, like the, the ones ahead of you who are helping you out. Um like say for me, like Kate Kennedy and Tony Jordan and and people like that who are helping you. Um, and, but then you're also aware of your own year at university of these other debut writers. Um, and often, yes, you'll be on the shelf next to each other or you'll be one after the other in in interviews or things yes. like that. Yeah. Um, and I felt such a, I, 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 such a sense that it's such a supportive community of writers and everyone's sort of, um, you, you're promoting your own book, but you're also writing other people's books around you as well because we all we all want people to write books yeah um but it was while I was reading the last love note but before that I had sort of a few times where like oh this is a bit much uh mm. it this is a bit much all this everyone's um you know the, the book's doing so well poor me but yeah. it's it's not something you can complain about oh sudden success that I wasn't expecting oh it's overwhelming and yet you feel like, I can't complain. How many people would want to be in the position I'm in? But it's hard sometimes to integrate it into your brain, everything that's going on. Anyway, I'm reading Emma's book, which is absolutely beautiful and parts of it are very heart-wrenching and personal. And I think my book is about crochet and I'm feeling this sense of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. How much more would it be for Emma um, when she's writing about such personal, so many personal things? And I don't know, it was it was put on my heart to... And I thought this is probably a really weird thing to do, but we we sort of chatted to each other in comments and things like that. I I, I direct as my teenagers would say, I slid into her DMs, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I started trying to type, but it was late, and I 
I couldn't form the words. And so I did what I do with my sisters and we send each other miniature podcasts. We yes. would just record our voice and send that as a message. Yeah. And because I couldn't type, I, I, um, I sent a voice message along and I thought I could be way off. It could just be me and my weird anxieties and no one else is experiencing this. But if it is, then I wanted to know that, you know, you might have to put on a brave face for everyone else and say, oh, this success is so wonderful. But I also see it's okay that sometimes it's overwhelming, you know. I think that's the the hard thing. Well, number one, well done you for getting past that potentially weird thing. Again, before we hit record, I was talking about how I'm a big proponent for just doing you say we say <laughs> and then and then you cop it and maybe some of it is we get to a certain age or we have certain experiences and we know we'll push past that number one number two as M well knows uh I do the voice recordings much more frequently <laughs> than I do the long written out notes so I get that I think this is another one of those important parts and maybe this is where this conversation was always meant to go which is I've had the benefit of talking to so many writers and knowing the behind the scenes, also hearing from so many aspiring authors or authors who have books out who will share with me, oh, I wish I had what she's having, like the Harry, when Harry mm. Max Ali. And, and I don't sort of share anybody's experience myself because it's not mine to share, but I do say, well, just know that what it looks like from the outside isn't always what they're feeling on the inside. You're right. You bring up a really big thing and it would be interesting to see how, other than just trying to talk yourself around it, how you deal with, these are my actual feelings. Maybe I have this small pocket. So what a, a benefit that you guys at least have each other to talk to about it. Uh, we are always very aware. We don't want to sound like we're looking a gift horse in the mouth, you know, mm. when we've got this, so many wonderful things. Who am I to say it's not great? But we also need to validate, right? Mm. It doesn't take away any of that pressure. So how have you been handling? How were you handling it before you got Kate's voice memos? Or oh, do you, were you not looking at it? You were just trying to. I was I struggling a lot. Well. I was struggling. Well. I mean, I t I t do talk to and have a lot of highly supportive friends, including you, Ange. Um, highly supportive friends and family. Um, but I think unless you're in it and have the same experience, it's hard to articulate because you're right, Kate. It does sound like, well, here I am living the dream that we've had you know, all these years. And why have we woken up in this dream still having anxieties and vulnerabilities and all of this? And one of the things that I'm struggling with at the moment is that I'm writing my next book and I've reached a point where every positive review I'm reading about my existing book is freaking me out. <laughs> so I'm thinking, oh gosh, can I back up with another book? You know, it's that kind of um, sense of insecurity that I don't think I would have if I wasn't getting this sort of barrage of positive feedback. And then again, I think, well, what am I doing complaining about positive mm. <laughs> feedback? But it's just such a complicated sort of web of emotions and thoughts that we have um, behind the scenes, all at a time when you're also doing media interviews and mm. podcasts and things um, in which, you know, it's a good idea to come across as quite confident about your work. <laughs> that, well, that, I think that's it. So I guess what I'm saying is we don't want to keep the curtain pulled all the time. I guess it's also knowing what is this for? 
right? So this, as an example, this podcast is is for real talk, <laughs> for unscripted, wherever it goes, it goes, we're going to say what we actually feel. And there are others that are a little bit more toward the promotional. Yeah. And so that's fair play. You don't necessarily need to get that. It's really interesting to me. And I think I shared it with you, at least the link. I would love to compile uh, the interviews and the snippets I've heard from authors that you would say, I mean, they've written that many books. They're fine. And look, there are some authors who consciously, whatever, they feel moving forward with book two, book three, book four, book five. They can remind themselves that they know that they, what they're doing and or they give themselves permission for that first uh, draft, pardon my language, just to be shit, right? They just need to get it all out mm. and they're okay with it. But there are so many, and I've heard these interviews where that crisis of confidence is really common. But if you're only looking at the bookstore launches or the normal, mm. not behind the scenes sort of conversations, you won't necessarily hear them share that because mm. they're also like you were talking about. And maybe Kate, you can share how you're moving forward as well. Like you don't want to sound so down on yourself because you're aware that you're going to be out, out there, hopefully promoting another book. So you almost have to, what, fake it till you make it? Like, I'm going to sound confident about this next one. But when you're there with your laptop, or if you like to write long form, you're sitting there thinking about the good things people have said, or that, I don't know, it wasn't a backhanded uh, compliment review, M, but hearing people's excitement about this book and thinking, can I do it again, right? How how are you dealing with that? So you were also reading that, Kate, and knowing, oh God, it isn't just uh, an abstract connection to her story. It's, it's real. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have the benefit. I have no doubt that if people are responding to your book as well, it is because you are in there, <laughs> mm-hmm. but maybe just not quite so memoir-ish, mm-hmm. right? Um, but how has that reading reviews and putting yourself out there and, and promoting, how's that affected how you're approaching your own? Yeah. I, mm, sorry. I <laughs> I had to stop and think for a second. I think I, I, it helps me to think um, the glamorous side of it is a, it's a lot of fun. Mm. Um, just to remind myself it's not real life. Yeah. Uh, so you're on the socials. In, I know in one situation I was actually in a tutu and dancing, but <laughs> metaphorically I'm always in the tutu and dancing and look, I'm over here and look, I'm signing books and everything's shiny and wonderful and bright and and to an extent, it actually really is. It's things that, you know, I like, it helps me to think that that's the season I'm in at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm in the season of gloss and publicity and shininess, and it's not real life. And I think at the moment, I'm only working a little bit. I've been working all year on the, on the second book, but now I'm only working a little bit on it and almost not at all because I can't really do both at once. Yeah. And so while I'm in the season of publicity, it's all about all my creative energy is going into Facebook posts. And um, so that's that's where it's going and then go down and then I will be able to work on creating. And then the third season is editing. So yeah. that's another frame of mind for editing. <laughs> and I try not to bring my editing brain to my creative brain because I'll be just like, that's rubbish and that's rubbish. Yeah, yeah. And there is that awful feeling of you're looking at this wonderful polished um, book that you've polished so hard and it's, you know, worked on for ages 
And then you go and you look at your first draft, you think, what is this? What on earth? And you forget that 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 looked like terrible at one stage as well, but you can't um, by that. I'm I'm gesturing and it's an audio thing. I'm gesturing to the finished (laughs) book here. That once looked just as bad, if not worse. Mm. Um, But we have that feeling of, oh, why does this not look as good? I've lost it, you know. Isn't Don't that funny? Through. And you know what? Somebody, I, I love the idea of the seasons, Kate. That's just so mm. helpful. I think one of my issues is my deadline is <laughs> like I don't have time for a season. Wrong place. <laughs> it's the deadline. Um, but also, somebody said to me the other day, comparing it to recording artists and the fact that they write an album and then they record that album and then they tour the album and then they write another album and it's it's mm. similar isn't it it's mm. the same kind of rhythm and um you're right all the the energy that goes into all the promotion i mean it feels like a full-time job just keeping up with with comments from readers and um which is you know the best part of the whole thing is is talking to readers um but it feels like it's almost a full-time job at least energy wise to be doing that well and think and thoughtfully and actually taking time to to you know engage with people and in my case some of that engagement has also been quite emotional because people are getting in touch telling me their stories about their own grief Mm. and losses and um and that's exactly why I wrote the book and I wanted to create more of that conversation about grief because it's something that we don't do very well and so all of these things are quite beautiful in their own right but combine to become quite stressful at times so um the seasonal approach i mean that's what the world teaches us doesn't it that's how nature works and nature knows what it's doing so (laughs) i think it's hard too because what we see and again it's from the outside but hearing from so many authors there are some authors who their entire approach and maybe it suits their genre right so I'm not going to lie, your book um, hits deeper than some other books that I've read and enjoyed. I can't say I don't enjoy them, but if we go back to music, there are different songs for different times and some that you listen to and you just can't do anything else while you listen to them, which is similar for me to your book, whereas there are others where you can listen to it and be doing chores or, you know, even having a conversation, but you're still sort of enjoying it. It's just not taking your full attention. And I think number one, we have to give ourselves permission to just write the book that we're going to write and do it in the way that we want to do it. This is counter to (laughs) probably what publishers or, you know, other agents would say, but I'm all about supporting the creative because I always want the creative to get the best from themselves. So there are some writers who can write be writing one and they've sent off a draft for editing and then they're also doing a bit of promotion and they've got the it's like the business owners or whatever everything's scheduled Mm. for me that's a very um masculine uh, approach to things it's very practical i'm not going to say any of that like that's fine and there comes this place where as a, a writer and creator i want you to touch base with what actually feels good And maybe you want to stretch yourself, right? Maybe you say, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but I would like to write and have written at least one book a year. But there are other writers, very successful, uh, famous, uh, critically acclaimed authors who do not even Mm -hmm. a book a year. Mm -hmm. They take longer because I'm guessing as well, Kate, like you were saying, they are seasonal 
And mm. that's how they do it. So I think some of this, again, sharing and people who've listened to the podcast before, I'm sure have heard me talk about all the different things. I like to look at Myers-Briggs or human design or whatever, but it's all about coming back to you and figuring out what works for you so that maybe you can start to do that thing. Like when you were talking about your tutu and the dancing and all of the fun <laughs> stuff, Kate, I thought, and just like any time we've gone to a party, eventually you come home and if you've mm. got enough energy, you take off your makeup mm. uh, or you just, you fall into bed and then the tutu is crumpled, right? And that's another part of, of the process. It's only when we try to cut out those bits and have expectations of ourselves, mm. right? That, mm. oh, I'm going to perform differently. I can mm. just be 24 seven dancing tutu girl and mm. then... And everything is positive. How do you, how do you see for yourself, Kate? So how is that going? You're happy. You've got it to, I'm in this season now. So the writing of the draft has slowed until I guess too, it's, it's like a, a, a set of scales, but it's sort of, you'll see that the promotion isn't so hardcore. Mm -hmm. It should mm -hmm. never stop. Mm -hmm. That's my quote to everyone. It will never stop. You'll keep promoting mm -hmm. past books. Leanne Moriarty's books are all trotted out every time she has it. Colleen Hoover. Okay. <laughs> say? She's got multiple, but she has not looked at most of those books in years and years, mm -hmm. but she'll still have to speak to them mm -hmm. now. If she's interviewed today about her newest one that I can't quite remember the name of it. Um, but I'm positive they will ask her questions about Verity or whatever. Yeah. All mm -hmm. the other, all the other ones. It starts with us and it ends with us and all of those things. So promotion does continue, but you're right. Maybe we take our foot off the accelerator a little bit and then mm. you'll you'll switch back. Are you under deadline for this next manuscript? Okay. No. I'm not um and cuz I I my first book was a one book contract. Um and a firm's very interested to look at the next one, but they're also they're lovely. They they're like take what time you need. They're very nurturing publishers. Um, yeah. uh, I have that internal thing whereas I want to keep momentum going mm. and I really want, you know, um, I don't want people to forget about me. So, yeah, just trying to find, and yet I was talking, you know, I, I think I, I do want, I think I'll probably work harder at promoting this book because you want your debut to go well. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's probably the most important one, um, to, to go well because it's a lot harder to launch a book after, after a debut that doesn't go well. I'm guessing it seems yeah. to be. That's just me thinking out loud. I think it's interesting. Somebody pointed out that it's it's uh, the thing with debut books is that you're starting from a standing start. Mm -hmm. Nobody really knows who you are, and um, so it is. There's this sense of we don't come into it with the momentum that we may otherwise have already had if we'd had other books. And I have had other books out, but not in this genre and not adult novels. Um, there's that. I think that has been quite a challenge too. Just picking up from a standing start and mm -hmm. it's almost you know you know what it's like when you're at an athletics carnival when you're a kid and you're standing at the start of a hundred meters and you've got no momentum but if you're coming around the corner and you're already running you can actually run a lot faster and it's yes. it's um it's a bit like that isn't it it's it's quite uh, and I think the other thing when we were talking before about responding to people yeah um I don't know about you Kate but I haven't had any real apart from the publisher having their own marketing and and publicity goals and um, doing some amazing things. I have not actually had a strategy of my own 
so I just feel like I'm constantly in response mode on that. And I'm saying yes to mm-hmm. lovely invitations to do podcasts or I'm responding to people's sharing reviews of the book. And so there's a sense of that all hurtling out of control as well in a little bit, um, in a nice way, because it sort of feels like it's just coming at, at us. And it's better that it's coming at us than than radio silence. <laughs> but um, I think there's that too. It's almost like you wake up and think, well, what's today going to bring? And yeah. so yes. maybe that's part of the solution to some of this might be to stand back and say, well, um, maybe there needs to be a little bit more structure in the week in terms of how, right. you know, now that we're a few weeks in now, because you can't sort of keep up this. It's not mm. sustainable to keep mm. this frenetic pace um, when we're trying to do all the other things. So maybe that's a bit of something that's to think really- Yeah, that's really interesting. I was going to share, I like that you're responding, but I think it's a really important point when you feel like I should just be grateful. And that's what we're telling ourselves all the time. I should just be grateful I'm getting the attention and not putting in any of your own boundaries. If you're looking at potentially having to promote while you are writing because you're under deadline or just because you want to, it's okay to set up a sort of schedule. These are the days I'm giving myself. And again, we're always going to go back to giving ourselves the days, especially for creativity that we know that we've felt it before, not just I'm going to try to shoehorn it in at this other time because nobody's asking anything of me. I think this is a very female centric issue, not to say men don't deal with it, but it's okay to say, Oh, I'm so glad that you reached out for an interview. I have this day and this day that work for me. And it's okay to do that, even if you don't actually have the other days packed out with stuff. But we are so used to in the rest of our life, especially Mm -hmm. as you know, we're all parents on this podcast that that we're, we're in response, we're in support. And too often, as women, we will put ourselves a little bit back because we want to prioritize those other things. But especially when it comes to things like this, where we're trying to manage not only the practical, right? Like continuing to promote and, and they're fun. I personally literally like to put on a tutu or a tool skirt or whatever. That's fun. So we want to give ourselves permission to do that, but not at the expense of those other things, because mm-hmm. some of the emotions you guys are talking about are based on the expectations you might have of yourself that you wouldn't actually have of others. It, this goes back mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. gift you gave M, Kate, by leaving those voice messages, which is to say to someone else, not yourself, wow, yeah. this would be, you know, really challenging. I see you and I, and I support you and it's okay to feel torn, right? About this excited. People are liking it, but equally devastated, right? About having to go through this again and again. The expectation that we have of ourselves is I better not say because I should just be grateful, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So for you and the planning, isn't so much in advance, like saying, this is who I'm going to, you know, reach out to. We do that a little. And you said the publisher also has ideas. I'm positive that a firm had certain ideas for you as well. But as they get that momentum going, and then people reach out to you to say, hey, can you come speak at this event or or whatever, you have to have a way to say yes to the things that actually work and feel okay. This is the challenge part. Feel okay 
with the ones that don't quite work. Because believe Mm -hmm. it or not, if we say it in such a way as, oh, that, you know, those days don't work. When it's authentic, I guarantee you, you probably don't feel bad, right? When you Mm -hmm. actually have another appointment. But if it just didn't work for you because you had intended that day or that long weekend or that week was going to be your writing week or your whatever, and you've said no to them, right? You've held your ground. You'd probably feel guilty for saying no. And then living off of this on repeat, I wonder what sort of devastation I've brought into my life because I didn't say yes to that. But the person on the other end is like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. like, that. oh, that's too bad. We would have liked to have you. And then then they're on to the next person on the list that they were mm-hmm. going to ask. Does it's that a, resonate? Yeah. And I th- it does. And I think, um, you know, just as you were talking, I was thinking I'm going on a, a podcast soon and um, the other author reached out to me a couple of days ago. It was meant to be last night. And she said, do you mind if we move this a week or so? It's fine if we don't. And I said, no, 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 that's fine. Well, it turns out that she's got complications from surgery. And so she was prepared to go ahead if I said, no, actually I can't do it um, the other time. And I think this is exactly the problem that women have. That of course we're going to delay this thing. And, you know, if we have to delay it again, that's fine as well because other things are just more important. And um, I think that's that's a perfect example of what you're saying, that... Yeah. We do tend to um, put other people first, and we put. Um, yeah, we have this sense that if I don't do it now, then it'll that'll disappear that opportunity, and it might, yes. and that's fine as well. I think there's a real art in being able to let opportunities go and yes. be, be confident that you know if that doesn't work out, something else will come along. Well, it, we see it in practice. Hmm. I mean, we don't tend to remember them as much because we let them go. But if you have a certain goal, unless you've written it down and diarized it, we're not going to remember all of those things that didn't quite work out because what comes up front, unless it's part of our story. And and, I mean, you and I have part of this story that was like, oh, this big one, it didn't work out. We won't really remember all of the ones that didn't if we move forward with that sort of faith, which feels really scary. I I can also validate like what you were saying, Kate, about wanting to get as much of a running start on the debut. And there are also people who do that and then, you know, follow up with a second. But I would, I would say they don't feel less pressure with the Mm. second at all either. It's sort of, it's, it's sort of like the writing, right? We, we have these expectations of ourselves and we, we just never lower the bar. Like I'm having surgery complications, (laughs) but I don't want to put out this other person and maybe they won't talk to me again. It's about prioritizing what actually works for ourselves, knowing that we won't know where we're at later. We don't control that. And I think that's another key component of this. I wish we could, right? I wish we had more control over all of these things. And when we talk about practical, there are all sorts of practical things we can do. What actually helps us more is what I'm seeing with the two of you here, which is real connection with somebody else, whether you're taking a punt on, you know, whether they're going to understand what you're talking about. And 
I bet if she hadn't responded the way that you thought, you might have second guessed yourself in future when reaching out to people, or maybe not. If you're like me, you probably would just do it again. Like, no, but I'm feeling it. So I'm going to do it. Or it's a gift to say, I see you and you know, you're doing good work out there because you control, you control right now in so much as you reach out with your heart open saying, that you support this other writer. And we hope that we'll feel really good when we write the first draft of our next book, but probably it's going to be just as uncomfortable as when we wrote the first draft of this book. I think um, I, I had a conversation with, uh, listen to me name dropping, I had a conversation with <laughs> Kylie Ladd the other day. <laughs> you know, um, and I said, I, I just finished reading uh, her latest book. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave, leave you with this. this. Yeah. It's on oh, my yes. it's on my bedside table. I've known Kylie for years, so name very, drop her all. It's very good. Place. And then I read the acknowledgments, and in amongst the acknowledgments, she talked about it being a hard one to write. And I think it's her sixth book or something along those lines. And I I we had an event together in Camberwell, and I said, um, that, that I like hearing that when you you're up to your sixth book that it's still hard. I thought maybe you know you you, you get a bit of rhythm, you can. And she said, what she said was interesting. She said, if it's hard, then you know you're doing it right. Yes. That's how you know you're doing it right because you're taking risks. You're trying something new. Um, you're not just turning out the same novel with the names changed every time. Uh, so right. both encouraging and also terrible. <laughs> yeah, more than fine. <laughs> like, no. I'm never going to get past this feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, but that, but that's it. As, and like I've said, as somebody who, who struggles with anxiety for years, I would have done anything if I could just never feel anxiety at all ever again. And it wasn't until, and look, I still don't want to feel it. Mm. However, letting go of that idea that I never will again was the biggest step forward. So, and I totally support what she says, even though I too love her books. And and you look at the finished product and you think, doubted it. I felt that way, yeah. yeah. It's like um, I had a great conversation with Nina Campbell, also mm-hmm. a brilliant author, um, who I said to her, gosh, I'm at this point in the book where I don't know what's happening. And uh, she said, you're always at that point when you're at this. <laughs> She's watched me write many yeah. books over the And she said, but you always get to that point. And if you knew what was happening, the readers would probably know what was happening too. Mm-hmm. And it was this real reminder that the, that's the beauty of um you know exploring a story in this way and it was it was kind of you know a different topic but similar to what you're saying about Kylie that if it's not challenging it's not going to be you know interesting enough um for the reader so it's a both of those stories I think are really good reminders for us at this stage yeah well number one that it's natural Hmm. that Hmm. and I actually liked what Kylie said too, because that is sort of supports what I was hinting at earlier, which is there are people who write, and I'm not putting them down at all, but there are books that they are written, they're all written for the readers, but they're really written for the readers, right? When we talk about certain genre fiction in particular, and they're using tropes and, and they don't have to take chances. In fact, they'd probably get more backlash if they did do something outside of it, because that's not what people want there. Just give me what I want, right? Vanilla with sprinkles. That's what I want. Whereas for you as the creative, if you are feeling hyper-confident, I have read those manuscripts and I don't much like them. Um, not from women that I've, that I've read, but the ones who 
say everything I wrote, it it was great and it's fine and it probably doesn't need much editing, just a quick proofread. Like that, you know, the red flag should be going up for yourself. Whereas I feel actually comforted by the fact that you're confused. Emma, remember, and maybe you say it was just because of COVID, but I still, I had a heart clench when you said, oh, you know, Uh day before I'm turning it in, I've just changed the structure to the book. Oh, poor Ange. And I haven't told that story, I don't think. I literally, I was delirious. So I was, I was feverish. (laughs) Because I had COVID, had meningitis and was on death's door and we had no idea what was going to happen and none of us could visit because we all had COVID. It was dark times and it was winter, horrible. Anyway, (laughs) I had the book due in on the Tuesday and the night before, on the day before and on that weekend, I just restructured it. I picked up giant parts of it and moved them. I said this this was after the edit, right? So all of the things, not this is all before she's submitting it. No, and I thought, oh, well, I'll wake up tomorrow and just have one last read through, make sure it still makes sense, but woke up too sick to do that. (laughs) Oh, no. I just sent it off. And anyway, apparently it works. Yeah, well, so... Which is to say things are always going to change and you have to, I mean, there's magic in what you're doing as well. So you could have, like any writer I know, and Kate, I love that you said that editing was another season because it is. I've changed my mind. I used to think it was very left brain, very analytical, and it is, but it's still quite creative. Mm. a la feverish and then deciding to change Mm. the, the structure and it's still works or rather it, it works even better. But, but knowing that there, there's this magic there and sometimes with magic, you aren't sure how it's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. So we have to just be in that place where we go, ah, oh, I'm not getting rid of the anxiety forever and ever. Amen. Uh, I'm not getting rid of the discomfort and reminding yourself. So even for any listeners, if you need to write it down, write it down. Give yourself, I talk about in Writer's Flow, a joy jar and writing things that people have said, nice things people have said about your writing and put them in a jar so that you can see it and like go read one or two of those when you're feeling very low. Still highly recommend that. And also maybe having another place where you can go and actually use it where you remind yourself of these tidbits that you've got from other writers as well. Because sometimes we'll we'll listen to it from someone else, but not from ourselves, right? Where you can say, oh, they said they they had this, right? And this is normal. I'm doing fine. I just have to keep writing, right? And then I will take care of it in the edit. The further along you get, the more likely you are to have things where as painful as it is, especially for a super new writer, you'll write something and then maybe you do get to the end and maybe you do edit it. And maybe that was all it was meant to be. I know that Neil Gaiman has at least one manuscript he's told a story about that he'd put it at the bottom of a drawer and or up in an attic, whatever. And then for some projects, he's he's reread and then he's made something of it. I think there's one story in particular, and I can't remember what which one it is, but it was the start of a, a story. It was only like a half a story. And then he added another part to it. And I can't remember if it was the front or the back part of that story. But there was another one that he thought, oh, that one, I'm going to redo it. And then he read it and then he went, yeah, nope. It's just, it's not going to be anything, but that's okay. 
Well, the great Monica McInerney, I've heard her interviewed uh, where she spoke about an entire an entire book she wrote that wasn't meant to be and she was well into her career and she had to say goodbye to all her characters and it, it just wasn't she needed to write it to get it yes out of the way and then write the next one but that one was never published yeah well, just- even even Meg Mason I mean on a slightly different turn she just before sorrow and bliss so she was writing a book and that was the book she was going to write and and everything and I can't even remember now what the the turn was, but then she started writing this and she's like, oh, this isn't going anywhere. But she thought Sorrow and Bliss was the book she needed to write just. And then, yeah, that was in one of my top books Mm. of last year. Um, Mm. So you have to live in that space too, where you don't know. It can be hard if it's under contract. It can Mm -hmm. be hard if a manuscript isn't under contract, you're just looking at a different discomfort, right? Mm-hmm. Either way, you feel like you have something to prove with the next one. So nobody is sort of like you were saying, Kate, reaching out to M and kind of what we're talking about, the glossy finish, the thing we see online versus what we feel. And mm-hmm. there is no path forward, certainly not with a project you need to do or that's worthwhile as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't have its own discomfort. The twists and turns may be slightly different, right? Mm-hmm. But I just started reading uh, Gabrielle Zevin's Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. So I think this is why I'm getting like video game <laughs> sort of examples. I'm thinking about like a Mario, Super Mario Brothers or something. You're going to have little speed traps, little things thrown at you depending on the track, but no track has nothing. There is no, oh, it's super fun daisies, no pitfalls. Mm-hmm. I'm all good. It's right? like I that, that phrase, new level, new devil, which I yeah. always think is really apt, where mm-hmm. you you had in mind that once you reached a certain thing, you were going to feel content and happy and all of that. But when you reach that, you just sort of realise there's this other big mountain in front of you of all these other challenges you hadn't anticipated. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's a little bit like that. And, you know, the the alternative, I think, would be for us to get to some level with something in life and that doesn't have to be a career thing and think, well, now I've arrived and now what? And there'd be nothing. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we need this sense of not knowing I think it keeps us going um it would be nice to you know have it level out for a little while but you know I I think if we had to choose we'd rather have the challenges and the stretch and the the, you know the doubt and and I think the way we get through it is through conversations like this and people that do slide into the dms with a beautiful supportive message (laughs) so I guess that's the ultimate message of the episode, everyone. <laughs> if you're if you're reading, if you're writing, and you and I've heard this from other authors, and I think that you would both support this because you were talking about this even on the promotional tour. People reaching out to say, "I read your book," and it doesn't have to be on a review, but we've talked about this before. If you can review for mm. someone, please do it. It's a nice a nice gift. But maybe start with slide into their DMs. Send them an email. Be that kid, you know, back because we all start as readers, I'm assuming. Be that kid who's such a fan of a book, something that changed your life or you really liked it and you reached out and you you wrote a little letter, right? And you posted it off in the in the post and maybe you got something back. Like maybe you wrote to, if you're like my age, Judy Bloom or something mm-hmm. that this book changed the way I thought about everything. Or Ella Montgomery. I don't know if anybody did write her books. Mm-hmm. But 
we still, and by we, I mean writers, so not me, but we want that connection with the readers. So take a chance and share if you've read something that that just even delighted you, right? It doesn't have to be a deep and meaningful. It can just be, I read this and it really made my day. Thank you so much for writing it. This happened to me yesterday. I did an International Women's Day, you know, breakfast thing. And it was a group of planners and engineers. At the event was a young woman who must have been, must have been, you know, 20, if that. And she came up to me and she was sort of nervous. And in the midst of all this other talk about the actual topic that we were discussing and, you know, climate change and all this other stuff, she said to me, I'm from Wagga. And I just wanted you to know that when I was in high school, I read your t- your novel yeah. about the boy band. <laughs> that made my day. That was like that was the highlight of this whole wow. event. It was so unexpected. We weren't talking about that. We were, you know, oh it was just the most, you know, it just reminds you why you do it. And the fact that she would have, you know, it was clearly felt a little bit daunted coming up and, and saying that. And then she was, you know, I'm there standing there talking to politicians at the time when she came up. So it was just just a beautiful moment and really reinvigorated my passion for why we do this. Yeah. Um, in fact, when you were talking about having the joy jar, there was one review of that book written by a teenage girl years ago on Goodreads and it was the most effusive, amazing, like I cried, I cried so much, I was up all night, this book has changed my life. And then about 10 exclamation marks, you know, all yeah. very teenage girl. And I framed it and put it there while I was writing this book. The, the yes. last Because I wanted to remember this is what we do this for, to touch people, and I wouldn't be framing the the complete opposite reviews that you also get. But <laughs> <laughs> And that's why we don't look at that. But it's, but, in, yes. but it's just in that, you know, it's that real response, that that genuineness that really is is what keeps you going. And I think that too is the reason for the publicity, right? To be able to reach those people. So the more people you reach, the more likely it will land with the readers that really needed to read it. Okay. I'd love to hear from you. Is there a standout story of somebody sliding into your DMs or just in response? I know a lot of the interviews too now can be like live on a Facebook live and people have comments, but has anything touched you from somebody saying, I read your book and. I, I love seeing this whole, there are so many bookstagrammers out there these days as well. And I love seeing what they're reading and all those sorts of things. And it's very exciting if you see your own book. Yes. You're currently reading. And I think I don't even know that person. And also I find it exciting when there's a few degrees of separation. So, you know, your mum's friends, sisters, you know, like, and they've come back, you know, via your mum to say, oh, they read this. And I find that exciting and and, and strange but wonderful. Yeah. The most um, meaningful one for me came from one, I was sort of holding my breath, I think, until I got a, a review like this, was from a Muslim woman who felt that the, the, the character of, of Yasmin was well represented. Oh. Um, and I know, you know she doesn't stand for everyone, but I was so nervous about having done some well-meaning harm in how I did that. And so, you know, that, that really, having such a warm review was, I, I think I expelled a very long breath. After <laughs> that. I think that's hard too, especially when we're stretching ourselves creatively. 
with characters. I think you might have experienced this and other people too. This is sort of a different topic, but when we're writing something, giving ourselves the opportunity to to share the story that the character is telling you, because that's often the experience. Mm-hmm. It's not an intellectually, I decided to write this mm-hmm. kind of character and this kind of character and this kind of character. They sort of come to most authors at least somewhat fully formed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, an experience of sort of revelation over the writing of the book, like we get to know more depth. But you're right, the further they are from our lived experience, especially these days, it can be mm-hmm. challenging. And so to get feedback like that, or like Emma was saying, to get feedback from a teen about a teen book, yes. rather than all of the adults that already liked it. Mm-hmm. And that's nice. But what you want is, did somebody identify who sort of fits with that person, whether it's the genre or the specific character and their own lived experience. Part of what we're writing the stories for is I was saying that you're you're reaching out to M and saying, I see you. But that's what the stories are for as well mm-hmm. from the reader's perspective, that connection and to be seen and validated and or challenged. But that feeling of, oh, it's not just me that a reader can get. And then to get that feedback is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I could talk to you guys forever, but we will, <laughs> like always, stop this episode. I would love to have you back on as well, Kate. Maybe we can talk a little bit more about your book. And for now, thank you both so much for coming and chatting on Writer's Talking today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Writers Talking. Join us next time for more writers in conversation as we delve into the writer's process, their passions, and a little bit about their books. Don't forget to subscribe on your fave podcast player and follow us on Instagram at writers underscore talking underscore podcast.